Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Punching Out. I am Abby and joined here by Ryan and, and Earl. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. Um, so this is an episode that we plan to be sort of freeform, just chatting about various aspects of work, as we always do on Punching Out. So we're going to be talking about some more abstract things and some more concrete things and some more current, some current event stuff in our lives. So the first thing that I wanted to ask was, what do you guys do or more like, how many hours a week do you work? Not enough. Okay. <laughs> I, I get like. Well, this week was 15, which is a lot for me. And mm-hmm. um, at any rate, it's not enough to like pay rent to live on my own. It's I've been lucky enough to live with my parents and save up, but it's not what I want to be doing mm-hmm. for the next 40 years, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so you would like to work more? Yeah. I mean, ideally, mm-hmm. and maybe in a different location and for different employers, but that's another matter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, and it's not your. It's decided by your employer. So much you work. Yeah, you. yeah, I, mm-hmm. I have no say on that. Okay, okay, right. um, Earl. Yeah, I'm. I'm on the the other end of of that. Not necessarily hourly. Uh, with the hours worked wise, I I do probably end up working for like fifteen, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty hours a week or something. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm I'm a freelancer by choice. Um, mm-hmm. and and part of the reason that I I choose to do that, uh, I think I make less money than other people in my field in an absolute sense. Like I think our hourlies are probably similar. I mean, I'm not salaried, obviously Mm -hmm. I just have an hourly, but, uh, you know, it's, it's with a purpose. This fits a strategy for my life. Um, in the, in, in the way that, you know, I, I don't think anyone needs to work as many hours as they are. So in a sense, it's me trying to like live in that world that I want to mm-hmm. exist. Um, and obviously it's a privileged place that I'm, I'm in that I have this skill set that allows me to do that. And, you know, it's, there's a luck factor involved, certainly. But, um, yeah, I'm the one dictating my hours, basically. That's and, great. Yeah. Uh, so if you wanted to work more, you could, but you choose not to. Yes, that's that's true. Yeah, cool. I could definitely work more. <laughs> and some people that I know would suggest that I do. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, how about you? Yeah. So I am lucky enough to be salaried. So I can I have sort of changing. And so and I also teach. And so that means that I have certain hours that I a week that I teach. And that is never changing. I can't really I mean, I could, but it, there would be consequences to me change, canceling classes all the time. Um, but it's sort of an interesting thing because the active hour, teaching hours are different than like the amount of hours that I'm actually working, um, like preparing for classes and grading and doing all that stuff. Okay. And then just like, you know, office hours sitting in my office. And so, but I am technically part-time, but I could, and I, and I tried to be full-time, but could not be full-time. Um, that wouldn't, wouldn't have necessarily changed the numbers of hours that I was working. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, in a sense, we are all underemployed. Uh, mm-hmm. Some in, in by various sense, choice. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh, we are all working much less than 40 hours a week, I think is fair to say. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I don't necessarily feel like I'm not – like I, if I look at the things that I'm doing, which I think to myself as work are things that are like – I'm my working my body, working my mind, like trying to make some produce in some ways. It's definitely full time, you know. And I also do like I do extra work on the side, like editing. And then I also the work that we do, activist work, organizing work that's not paid, but it feels like which work. is a mm-hmm. useful distinction. Yeah, there's the work you do as just sort of a person in society, whether that's taking care of others or. Your hobbies even can exactly. involve a large amount of work. This doing this show, I mean, it it's work, it's planning, it's preparation, it's talking. Yeah. And then there's that's distinct from sort of what you do to make ends meet. You know, exactly. who pays you and what you do for that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's you selling your selling your time, right? And and from my from my point of view, most of the work that I do, I would do. Uh, well, I do do without uh, any monetary incentive. So I would I would look at work as things that you do. Like I don't know if naturally is the word, um, but the things that you are just motivated to do just by sheer existence. And then labor is when you're selling your time to someone mm-hmm. else. So I don't know if I wouldn't do the work. The, I'm sorry, I wouldn't do the labor that mm-hmm. I do if I didn't have to. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay like with programming. I think it's interesting and stuff, but it's. I don't like it. It's not right. like something I would do as a as a as a hobby, you know. And I don't imagine I, would yeah. you would you? Uh, you no, know? no. Yeah. Um, so I should uh, have asked the question that I should have asked at the beginning should have been how many hours a week do you labor? Oh yeah. right, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess yeah. If we do that, um, yeah, the answer still remains the, the the same. But yeah, if we if we draw that distinction, yeah, uh, which I think is a is is an important one. Uh, I'm I'm interested in sort of the that the the common sense. The current sort of common sense of the the work ethic mm-hmm. and uh, the quote unquote work ethic and how people value work so highly, like they regard it as a as a, a metric to like I don't I don't know almost how like honorable you are within exactly. a society and that anyone who isn't interested in doing that isn't interested in selling their time at, at such a high rate uh, or frequency rather not rate because uh, you know. Um, I'm a little disheartened um, by some of the things I'm seeing in my in my peer group and, and younger when they are so interested and seemingly excited about being on their hustle, like quote unquote, you know, I did, I did I did the air quotes, right, the grind, right? <laughs> that there is inherent value in the grind, and that that's where they they feel proud about that. Um, and there was a recent New Yorker article about the the gig economy, yeah, and the the campaign. Uh, run by Fiverr specifically is what they were, um, what the, the article was about. And this was the, this was on one of the posters. It's, uh, you eat coffee for lunch. You follow through on your follow through. Sleep deprivation is your drug of choice. You might be a doer. And there's people that read that and go, yes. Like that's, Me. that's the type of person. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I'm aspiring to do. And to me, that's going in the absolute opposite direction of mm-hmm. where we need to go like when, when we're t- when we talk about technological efficiencies and right. uh, y- you know like we should be working less um, but right. the fact that the gig economy is willing to 
work people to, to death, you know, and that people are excited to do it. Yeah. What are we going to do about that? Like, how do we, you know, like, cause that doesn't seem right to me. That yeah. doesn't seem right. right at all. Well, and it seems like it's really, um, harmful in like even a larger scale, larger than even just the individuals who are living lives. Like, I mean, it's like, fine. If people really want to do that. That's their thing. But, um, then the idea that, like it's so valuable to be this so this doer apparently <laughs> that right. like sleep deprivation is your drug of choice. Ah. Yeah. But um, but then um, like when we see that social programs are tied up to work also, and so like welfare programs where if you don't work then you can't get any welfare benefits. But yeah. then like what happens with the kinds of changes and automation and everything like maybe there just aren't those jobs available. Maybe there, you don't have Mm -hmm. the skills that are necessary to get the jobs that are available. But then if you cannot work, then like you're you're not allowed to get support. I I think what this sort of gig economy, these sort of advertisements sell is a really sort of unhealthy vision of, you know, what we should be doing with our time. I mean, what does Fiverr do? The, it's like menial tasks for others, right? Is that like well? It's it's a it's a freelance community. And from what I from what I can gather, there's some things on there that take that I've seen that take significant amount of time, like things like designing book covers and and things like that. <laughs> which obviously you can spend ten minutes designing a book cover. It's not maybe not going to look great unless you're yeah. a genius with that type of stuff. But there's things that people are willing to do like hours worth of work, uh, and it reminds me of people that are willing to take like you know internships and things and like work for free, uh, yeah. or or musicians. A lot of the time they'll. Uh, promoters will try and put them on and not pay them for a show because like of the exposure right and, 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 and that you know which I is work in well i have a degree in journalism i should say and there's so much of like it's almost expected that you will have an unpaid internship in mm-hmm. order to actually get paid before you work you will do things for exposure i i know i have um and the end result is you're giving away your labor and not getting paid for it and it's something that it's it's work. It's something that people a lot of people would do in their spare time, even if they aren't getting paid. But it's that fact is used by employers to get free labor. Yeah, and I, I part of me wonders, like in a in a in a very broad broad sense, if a lot of these jobs and the, the gig economy, and so especially in like the service industry uh, and things like that, if these aren't sort of a, a reaction to efficiencies in in the sense that the actual amount of labor needed to have a thriving like post-scarcity economy right is falling but capital still needs consumers right and so consumers need jobs and so you know i wonder how many of these jobs like just exist literally just to create consumers which is again i feel like that's that Part of the uh, the quote unquote common sense of the day is that jobs wouldn't exist if they weren't necessary, right? That capitalism is this really efficient right. machine that cuts the fat, and you know when in reality it seems to me that there's a huge amount of bloat that the like the working class has to suffer through and slog through because they need to be consumers. Like they, exactly. that's that's really the only reason that that exists. I don't know if you saw this. It was very much in that Fiverr vein. It might have. Ben Fiverr. It was another ad on like the subway, something like uh, a steady paycheck is also steadily grinding you down. It's like it very much yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. selling, you know, this gig economy experience as an alternative to 
the dread of a nine to five. And I think you talked earlier about how you don't necessarily want the nine to five. You you enjoy the flexibility it offers, but that flexibility is being sold as an alternative Mm -hmm. to steady paycheck and yeah. you know it, actually paying workers yeah it right. seems like it's an interesting sort of it's it's you know it's it's marketing but i also part of that just it, it may it just feels like psychological warfare right mm-hmm. because what it's doing and i think that it was that was part of that fiverr the same fiverr campaign i think is exactly what that comes from and so what they're doing is is they're they're recognizing that subconsciously and consciously for a lot of us too that w- I hate selling my time. There's a, I, I hate labor. There's right? a deep dissatisfaction right, that people right, right. have with you know the sort of status quo of work. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But then what they're also doing in that same, which is what makes it like a brilliant piece of, of marketing. I mean, I hate to use that term, mm-hmm. but you know, good marketing is you know effective psychological warfare. Uh, is that they're building up precarity, like mm-hmm. to a point of they're, they're selling you on precarity. Like you want to. Don't get a steady job. Be right. in this precarious situation because then you're going to have to take whatever then, then, we whatever we can give you or whatever we're willing to do. Then you're out. an individual, right? You know? Right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's a, that's an interesting cultural change, right? Like that, the cultural change is happening anyway um, because of the social and economic changes of the workforce and everything. But then taking that marketing campaign, that just like. It, perpetuating those sorts of changes and like yeah. intensifying them maybe. There's um, a great quote from that New Yorker article you had mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. This was written last March. The quote is, uh, at the root of this is the American obsession with self-reliance, which makes it more acceptable to applaud an individual for working himself to death than to argue that an individual working himself to death is evidence of a flawed economic system. Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah, right. that's great. I remember reading that and and thinking I should write this down as a note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, and that's again. I feel like that ties into the the common sense of, of exactly. the time. And you know, if we want to move beyond that type of psychological landscape, then we really need to start challenging a lot of these notions that. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I hear a, a, a political candidate or, or anyone refer to like job creators, it just immediately makes me think that they're behind the curve. I mean, it's it's marketing. It's it's very much like what Fiverr does. It's a way to put a shine on what we really mean, which is bosses. Because mm-hmm. if you talk about bosses, people don't have as positive a reaction for some reason. Who can say why? <laughs> right. Um, it's a term that. Very much as it's the Republicans spout about it, you know, all the time, but it's mm-hmm. kind of gotten into the collective discourse now, and I think we need to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the the strange thing too, I think, is that a lot of the, a lot of the people that throw that term around casually, and obviously I'm, this is a generalization, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like they they throw that term around, and then those are the same people that would would bash quote unquote like like welfare queens and exactly. stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it's like it's like in reality who is the, the the person who's really struggling and needs assistance from society mm-hmm. or these people that are making, you know, in some instances, uh, you know, an estimated like hundreds of thousands of dollars per minute. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? It's like, so, so why is it, why is it okay for them to aggregate the, the mm-hmm. misery, you know, effectively yeah. the misery of, right. of people for these vast sums of money and no one says like, uh, you're not working for that. Uh, you know, like yeah. that's not, you're, you're not, you, you can't work 
80,000 times harder than a person. Like, I don't <laughs> care who you are. Exactly. I don't care what kind of work ethic you you have. You can't work 80,000 times harder than than somebody else. But I, it's just interesting that that psychological rift between people that are like mm-hmm. job creators and like they're very pro-business and blah, blah, blah. But it's like these are the people that are they're mm-hmm. the ones that are really taking from everyone, you know, exactly. with, that, with giving very little back. Uh, right. You know? Yeah. And it, it's this it's resistance to the idea of handouts and like free things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, well, if you, it has to be somehow indirectly given, to, like any sort of money has to be indirectly given towards people, mm-hmm. to people through the creation of jobs and yeah, jobs. Right. And, it, but like the people yeah. who are job creators themselves, you, like it's, you do a, a lot better i think just giving people you know twenty thousand a year than creating a new you know whole food store that pays people eighteen thousand a year yeah and and the other the other thing too when you mention handouts and stuff it makes me think again that this 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 thing that's just missed entirely by large groups of people and it comes up a lot in the in the, the minimum wage debate right is that uh like you had track. mentioned this yeah. bef- before right. we aired. It yeah. was this right. idea that if we don't pay them enough through their employer, then they're going to need that money somehow, and it's right. going to come yeah. through government programs. It's going to come from all of us, right? Yeah. So instead of so instead of saying uh, instead of saying yes, we should raise the minimum wage and we should make employers pay their employees, you, you're saying okay, well, I'll I'll happily subsidize. McDonald's or, or Walmart or Walmart or whoever. Yeah, I mean that's that's what you're saying. You're you're right. saying my preference is to subsidize Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or or any any corporation that doesn't isn't willing to pay a living wage. And I don't think people don't view it that way. Yeah. Certainly, they they don't they they don't view it that way at all. And I feel like that might be a useful thing for them to <laughs> to exactly. have have a grasp on. You know, it's like if they don't pay them, somebody's gonna we're not gonna let them start starve in the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or hopefully, you know, hopefully that's not your mindset. Um, and if it's not, then who would you prefer to pay for the, the labor, the people that yeah. are making vast sums of money off of them or, or you who is also in that maze of, right. <laughs> you know, <Right>. like, <laughs> I don't understand it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, that's like common sense. You look at the at, at, at how much we have in the United States, like when you go to a grocery store or, or whatever, it's, it's, right. uh, it's obvious that we're producing at such a high rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but then for some reason, people are just like, no, things are, things are scarce. Things are tough out here. Yeah. You, you know, and I just, I, what, you know, we really got to get I past that. I <laughs> work as a dishwasher and I can attest to the amount of food that just gets thrown away. It oh, yeah. just never gets eaten because mm-hmm. it's produced more than is necessary. And grocery stores are much the same way. They have a lot of waste food that doesn't necessarily go bad, but gets thrown out because it isn't you know, at the peak of freshness. and Right. Yeah, I, it, speaking of grocery stores, I saw a sort of tweet thing the other day that was someone was saying, like, listen, everyone, every time you see a self-checkout register, don't use it because the more that we use it, then we're telling them that we don't have a demand for real cashiers anymore and it's a horrible thing and they're going to be losing their jobs if we keep on using these self-checkout things. And it's like... <laughs> who wants to be a cashier? I know who wants to be a cashier. Like, and okay, of course, within the current system, people do lose their jobs. Like, automation does take away jobs, yeah. but it doesn't have to end there. I mean, like, right. no one actually wants to be standing at the. I mean, most people would prefer to do m- many more things with their time than be standing at the cash register. Right. Um, and if we can, if that's the that's as far as our minds can go, 
and and it's always standing like you, there are the bosses that stereotypically like get on you if you sit down for yeah. you know half a minute <laughs> yeah exactly um it's it's very much it's menial for the sake of being menial it's exactly and there's this like romanticization of work even if it's menial work like just uh-huh. standing at a cash register oh but we don't want to take the people's jobs away from them and it's like stop romanticizing that that's I, yeah i guess it becomes a question of policy because exactly. until we have policy and a system where you know unemployment isn't a punishment which we talked about on a recent show exactly. then unemployment's going to be a punishment and people are going to try to avoid it they're going to exactly. want those jobs however you know useless they may be yeah, yeah. perfect um, well it makes me think of going back to that quote from the new yorker about people you know watching someone working themselves to death and that instead of being a noble thing it's evidence of something that's failing right and so the fact that someone losing their job is losing their job through technological advances is a negative is evidence of a system that's deeply flawed right right because basically what you're talking about is if you want to go back and use some analogy about like well, yeah, we could use these giant auto tillers to, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, to work this farm. But like, we're going to put all those horses that pull the plows out of out of work. What are we going to, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure the horses like, I don't want to pull that plow, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I don't want. I just I, I'm happy to go graze. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, uh, but what are the horses going to do? If right. Not- <laughs> yeah. 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 What's yeah? Like, <laughs> like if you go back to like you know the Jetsons and this vision of the future was Mm -hmm. you'd have a robot maid that did all your household chores for you. And that was great. Right. No, no one bemoaned the loss of, you know, the labor spent vacuuming. Exactly. And it's like, then people are like, but sometimes I really like vacuuming. It really Mm -hmm. is a great thing for my mind. And it's like, well, you can still do that if you want to. No one Mm -hmm. is telling you that you cannot, but obviously you would rather not. Uh Or I mean, if you don't want to, you, don't have to right well i i think that that and that makes me think of um you know something we've talked about uh, privately before uh in terms of when people slack off at work right effectively what they're doing is they're expressing their disinterest in what What they're they're doing doing. right and whether that's because their job is boring or they're just like it, it it wouldn't matter what they're doing if they're being coerced into selling their labor they're gonna not want to do it, exactly. and I think that that's a natural instinct. A, and, and it's yeah, and it's extremely reasonable, especially because, and I don't know how many people, how much, how conscious people are of this, or if it's more subconscious, is that mm-hmm. it's just like I don't need to be doing this. Like right, there's right. no, I, there's there's things that do need to be done, right. um, mm-hmm. or things that I want to do, and that's okay too. I feel like there's it's okay to talk about the things that you want to do. Of course, uh, you know. Than this, and I, and a lot of people are going to. Well, yeah, man, like that's a no, it's a no brainer. Of course, I'd rather be doing something else that, than than working. That's right. just the way that it is. Um, but that's part of the common sense that we need to challenge because exactly. it's not true. Right, like it's just not and, true. And at my work, I've always I've become very conscious of that time clock. And if I take an extra two minutes here, t- an extra two minutes there, that's two dollars of my paycheck. That's you know, yeah. that, right. that yeah. gets credited as a quarter of an hour, and I get. You know? Yeah. Um, it, I find myself finding ways to sort of elongate my work to appear busy while yeah. not doing anything because yeah. sometimes there isn't enough work to necessarily right. justify me being on the clock. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to say that out loud. 
Well, right. Right, sure. well now you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this is punching out. Yeah. Your boss <laughs> isn't listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, that, that makes me, uh, uh, that brings to mind the concept of, of busy work, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how I think in a, in a macro scale, like I was saying earlier, a lot of work, a lot of in- uh, entire industries are effectively busy work mm-hmm. um, that exist to produce consumers. Which again, and then that that money just gets funneled back up to the to the, the to the top of capital. So one of the things that I remember reading an article, I wish I could remember where I was from, and it was it was years ago that I read this, and it was an article about the the sanitation workers' strike in the '60s in New Memphis? York. Oh, uh, well, New York. the one I was reading about was in New York, but I'm sure the same the same thing happened. But anyone that's ever been to New York at any point, probably, I mean, I've you know I've only been any there in point the last in history, like 20, yeah. right? <laughs> it's it's a tough town to keep clean. In the best in best case scenario, right? So the sanitation workers go on strike, and the city just plummets into this abysmal hellhole, right? Because it's just mountains the, the trash of garbage, piles right? Up, yeah. Exactly. And so in the article, I mean, I don't remember if it was actually in there. It doesn't matter if it was in the article. It was just something that it made me think of. It made me think of that's a good test of is my job busy work. Like on a, ma- on a, in a, in a, in a macro sense, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. If your job disappeared tomorrow, what difference would it make? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and I'm not saying that to like belittle anyone's yeah. work because even if you are, it's okay to feel pride in what you do, even if you recognize it as like, useless. this, this, this is nonsense. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I do this nonsense. Well, mm-hmm. looking at you, Jackson Pollock. Um, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, that was just a, that was, sorry, I didn't, that, that was unnecessary, but, uh, it felt, it felt right. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being proud of the things that you do. Um, and, and there's a, you know, there's a weird balance that has right, to be right, 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 exactly. But yeah, outside of obviously the, 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 the immediate loss of a job and yeah. the loss of your money, if you, if you could envision a world where you losing your job wouldn't immediately plummet you into poverty or like yeah. put you in a really precarious position if your job disappeared like what did like what difference would it make what tangible difference would it make and again if you if you're like man yeah i don't know i don't think or if you find yourself really grasping at straws or like nitpicking mm-hmm. and stuff if you're not immediately like the city would fall into chaos or yeah. like you know this and that mm-hmm. whatever it's like you probably have a job that's busy work you know, right. like, and, 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 and the important thing there is not to be down on yourself about the job that you have, but to fundamentally change the way that you view right. work and its necessity or, to a healthy society and how much of it you have to do and how much better your life would be if you didn't do so much of it. Right. Well, <laughs> but also then more than the individual level, like how necessary is, are these things to society? Like it's really necessary for trash to get picked get picked up but like how necessary is it for humans to be doing that work um right and if it's not necessary for humans to be doing that work then what would we have to lose or to gain if it was automated for example (laughs) and then what then what does that mean about work in general if suddenly okay that's cool we don't have to have people do that but then it's like then we're left with busy work basically and so then why do we have that why do we why do we have it it's sort of almost a test that you have to prove your merit by through your willingness to sell your labor to someone else yeah it's yeah. it's more about not necessarily like the actual need for people to be doing these tasks than we don't want 
people, undeserving people to have luxury and exactly. happiness. That's, Even though plenty of undeserving people right. have luxury. Uh, I mean, if you stop and really, and I'm sure that you've both thought about what you, you, know, mm-hmm. what you just said specifically, but how, how depressing is that, right? Mm-hmm. That instead of like priding ourselves and, and, and looking at our, looking at our lives value from the, the work that we do, not the labor, but like the work, like whether, like I learned how to play piano, like I learned, it's, right. it's how much suffering can I endure? Mm-hmm. Pointless suffering. Like that's the thing is it's not, it's, I mean, there, there are jobs that are, have value. Certainly. We um, have a society that I think really values suffering. Uh, there's this whole genre of like local news story. It's been dubbed like perseverance porn it's like of the sort of people who like oh oh, right yeah walk two miles to work each day because they can't afford a car because their job doesn't pay them enough to afford a car and they're held up as sort of these working class heroes you know and no one ever really stops to consider well wait a second yeah shouldn't this guy have enough money to afford a car if he's working every day for X amount of years. Well, I mean, there was that example in the New Yorker article about Fiverr and the gig economy. And that was from Lyft, where there was a woman who started going into labor and kept on picking up rides on her way to the hospital. And they published this on the Lyft website as like, this looks good for us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I maybe yeah okay maybe she wanted to do like she Uh just really wanted to do that so i don't want to take out take away anyone's agency or something but like that should necessarily be something that we celebrate right right yeah because yeah for me uh, what i look at that and i see like look at how dedicated i am to nonsense you know (laughs) like that's like all right i mean like again yeah i don't want to like take away if you if you're like Man, I really like driving. I really like helping people. Whatever, like I'm gonna go right up to whatever you can think. But from my from my point of view, and again speaking to that, like the common sense sort of you know uh, work zeitgeist that, yeah. that that's like you should be so de- well, and that comes up too sometimes. I feel like this came up in the freelance episode that that we talked mm-hmm. about when, and I've read I've read about this before. People in job interviews, and when they ask a very basic question like, "What's the salary?" You know, this comes up in, in startups quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, is they say, "Well." If you're asking that question, you shouldn't work here um, because we need dedicated people who are who are driven by passion and all this other and all these other things. And it's like it's like, dude, I'm I'm here to sell my time to you. Right. I, hate, I hate you. I don't want to do this. So tell me how much I'm going to get paid, or you know. <laughs> I think everybody understands that we go to work because we need money, but you're not allowed to say that. Exactly. You're like expected to you know artfully dodge that idea and frame it in a different way because to say that i need work in order to not be in poverty is to break some sort of taboo exactly um well and it's also so i feel like this this the fretting about well what would people do if they weren't working and the sort of almost like spiritual value that's placed on work and suffering is i see it as like a lack of trust in humans to just Mm. do valuable things without having having to like but if we just left them on their own what on earth would they do it's like let them let's see what people do yeah um but so you know i teach and so Mm -hmm. it's something interesting because you know i that is my job and so that's that is my labor and um but because it's ha- it has the emotional aspect of it and this sort of relational mm-hmm. aspect sometimes 
I feel like I'm in interesting positions where I am being asked by students who I really love and I value um, to actually put in more labor, you know, like uh-huh. things like just extra help or whatever things it is. that aren't in your job description that aren't necessarily yeah. in my job description, but would make it that mean that I was doing a better job at what mm-hmm. I was doing if I did it. And also I just feel like I like you, you like me, like this is something mm-hmm. good. I think it's important that they're learning these things. So I should be doing it. But if I say no, then it's, so if I say no, it seems like, again, they're like, why would you say no to this? But this is my labor. I'm laboring here. I'm not just doing it for fun. It's fun (laughs) sometimes, but I'm not just doing it for fun. This is labor. Um, And so that's where I think some of those jobs like teaching and stuff get into murky territory. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, teaching is a great example of a job that would absolutely pass that, that, like the sanitation workers strike test, which uh-huh. is to yeah. say, like, if this job disappeared, there would be immediate net loss for society. You know? Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and gauging things in that in that way, that's a, that's a big shift for people. Is is most almost everything we do now is gauged in terms of profit or just monet- uh-huh. like economic value, yeah. right? Whereas you know, if we want to, if we want to get to a place that's healthier, where our life isn't defined by these depressing, how much suffering can you, mm-hmm. uh, but, but maybe how much, like how much good can you do or how, how well you feel about right. yourself and, and things like that, then we need to start looking at what, how do these things benefit society? And also to go a step further than that is to say that some things that, that would be like a, and this is insane to some people, but like mm-hmm. some things that would take, would be a, a loss like economically, but have such a huge social benefit, like those things need to be under undertaken, you know, yeah. and, and that's, those are things, programs that come up, you see it all the time, like in Congress and stuff, it's mm-hmm. just, it's too expensive. It's things like that... too expensive in what way? Right, like, exactly. Because it's, it's hugely expensive from a societal standpoint to not do this. everything yeah. by its ability to make money that will yeah. lead to some poor decision making. We get right. to where we are. Well, and then interestingly, it's those jobs, people who are in like the teaching jobs or the care jobs where the ones one the moment they start thinking economically or efficiently and say like I can't do this extra work, then they're seen as being heartless. Right. Yeah. yeah. How oh. how could you say that right. about their their children? Yeah. Right. You're doing such important work. It's like, well, mm. why don't Yeah. So mm. that leads into I I think this discussion of teachers leads nicely into the next subject we're going to talk about, but we're going to do that after this break. Awesome. Hey, hey guys, you know that feeling you have at work, that dead inside feeling? Bad news, we can't really help with that. Good news, we can help you waste some time at work. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYO LPFM Rochester. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, and I want to talk now about the ongoing teacher strikes in Oklahoma and Kentucky. As we record this, teachers in both states have are not on the job. They are protesting at their state capitals over what effectively amount in both states to cuts to teacher pay and benefits. In Oklahoma, they are they have some of the lowest teacher pay in the in the country. There have been pictures on social media of the textbooks that students are using that are just beaten and whooped after, you know, 15 years of use. Uh, the, the quote has been that the textbooks are older than the students themselves. They, the history textbooks end with the George W. Bush administration with 9-11. And in Kentucky, the teachers have effectively revolted over this plan to 
cut their pensions for incoming teachers. They have uh, worked to eliminate the use of sick days to help teachers already working fund their pensions, and this has naturally angered a lot of the teachers. And, and both of these strikes come in the wake of a strike that was very successful in West Virginia, where teachers were able to earn a 5% pay raise, not just for themselves, but for all public employees in the state. It sort of gets into what we had talked earlier about this idea that some jobs have social value, some jobs have importance. And I think you're seeing that in the public response to these strikes. These are typically thought of as Republican stronghold states. They are deep red in the electoral map these days. But the public in these states, despite, I mean, teachers unions have been villains in the Republican mind for years, decades maybe, but the public is supporting these strikes in ways that I don't think people expected and certainly not like the government. Yeah, and I think so. I think this is so exciting and important that this is happening. And I think another aspect of it that, that has been brought up in a bunch of places too is just how uh, the job of a teacher in many cases is a very is actually sort of a gendered job like there are m- yeah. many more women who are in these jobs um not always but this mm-hmm. but generally and um it's a tough thing because i think that generally um you know people like there like i was talking about before with there's a really a certain kind of relationship between teachers and students and te- and it's generally like a very positive thing and it's hard to draw the line with these kinds of relationships when it's also your job. Um, I read a story about an art teacher who had canceled a show that she was planning for Mm -hmm. the whole year because it was going to be her working overtime. And so she part Uh as part of the strike, of course it had to be canceled. And um, it was interesting because there was sort of the like, ah, too bad. Like, gosh, darn it. You know, the students have been working so hard and I've been working so hard, but in the end, like, this is work. This is mm-hmm. something that needs and, to be... And the move has been, in many cases, to pit sort of teachers against students, you know, to bring up the need of, uh, what about the students who are yeah. missing class? And I think teachers have done a good job in all of these strikes of sort of undercutting that argument. In West Virginia, there were sort of famous examples of teachers supplying lunches to exactly. students who otherwise would only be getting their lunches at school um, under privileged families. Um Right. And in like Oklahoma and Kentucky, this is like SAT season and teachers have been, you know, the one part of their strike they're willing to let off is they will serve as like proctors for these exams. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, help students with that. Right. Exactly. And yeah. And so it's it's not a this is a very strategy based thing. It's not they're, that they're. Um, I'm going to read now from an interview with one of the uh, striking teachers in Kentucky. Uh, Her name is Nima Brewer, and um, here's what she has to say about why teachers are on strike there. Quote, first of all, what they're really trying to do is screw over new hires by getting rid of an inviolable contract for pensions. So if this proposal passes, the legislator, and it has passed by now, I should note, the legislature can change the contract for these teachers at a whim. Any group of whack job politicians can then do whatever they want to cut benefits. New hires would move completely out of the current pension system. They'd be put into a hybrid system. Legislators say this will work out great, but we can't trust these politicians. The trust is gone, and I don't know if they'll ever get it back. The report also 
proposes getting rid of our right to use sick days to improve our pensions. We don't get Social Security in Kentucky, so workers here plan on accumulating sick days over the years and rolling these into their pensions. People who have been working for 20 years have been depending on these sick days to determine when they'd be able to retire, but now they're trying to take that away from them. And so this is sort of... I mean, cutting at retirement, I think, is very much in line with a lot of what we've been talking about earlier today. It's sort of getting people to work forever, work until they drop. Right. Right. And right. And I mean, so with the lack of other social benefits, of just general social benefits, mm-hmm. then this is even more important. And then the amazing thing that you were telling us off air Ryan is about the four uh, cutting down to four days a week. Yeah, that's happened in many districts in Oklahoma. Schools are only open for four days a week, and in a state that has such low teacher pay, it's like forty fifth out of or forty eighth out of fifty states. Um, this has been not just. I mean, obviously, the reason for this is that schools can't afford to be open because uh, they haven't taxed fossil fuel industry highly enough, basically, but. The selling point, the way that they're using this to attract teachers is that you now have an extra day to work a second job. Yeah, right. As opposed to uh, you have you, you have more free time. Uh, it, well, it makes me think of that, you know, uh, McDonald's handbook or whatever that was floating around, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a year or so ago on the Internet where it was like, you know, you should uh, you should just get another job. Like yeah. you should just get you should just get an extra the assumption job. is like, that you will yeah. be working multiple jobs. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that that's somehow totally acceptable for <laughs> such a for such a socially crucial position. Uh, yeah. Position. Right. Yeah. And and when you mentioned not that you know, it's okay for McDonald's workers, really. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Right. right. It's not. It's not okay for anybody. But but the fact that it's so it's treated so blase, like with something that's so crucial is again, to me, more evidence of just something that's deeply, deeply flawed. Um, but I, it, it, it does make me feel a little bit hopeful to see the support for, for the, the teachers and recently the sort of the, the rising tide of like single payer support um, and, and things like that, because I do think that that might be evidence of people sort of, whether they've phrased it this way or not, um, starting to look at things as social value, like, and not just determining everything through the, like the, the profit, you know, yeah. the prism of profit. Right. Right. Um, um, and I think that that's something that most, I feel like people do do that on an individual basis. Generally, mm-hmm. they, they recognize that there's a separation between what's socially valuable or what's valuable to them personally. Right. Like they have a work, like there's work Earl who, I mean, this is all made up. Obviously I don't know what a tie, but like who puts on the tie <laughs> and like goes to work and is like, Yes, sir. No, sir. Blah, 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 blah. And then there's the, my actual human self who is like outside of work and has thoughts and feelings and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever. So if, if we can recognize those separations in ourselves, which I don't think – like I'd like to not have those, right? There should yeah. only be one person. So in the, in the larger macro sense there too, like maybe it's not healthy for us to have things that are socially valuable and then things that only serve an economic, an economic value. Because really once you start breaking down those walls – and this might go back to busy work and meaningless work mm-hmm. – Lots of industries shouldn't really have profit involved in them yeah. at, at all, uh, yeah. you, know, you know. And then once you once you get that ball rolling, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, where, yeah. Well, <laughs> you talk about sort of this separation between some things, you know, don't need to have profit involved in them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a push from. I mean, we all know this is you know running government like a business, mm-hmm. and there are some tasks that, like you said, 
they do not benefit from being run as a business because businesses have to profit. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should be profiting from the education of children or exactly. from healthcare. Right. And we see this in like Puerto Rico now, like we talked about on a recent episode, is the push for charter schools, which right. are for-profit institutions that nevertheless take public money. Right. And what that means is that Instead of all that money going towards education, some has to be siphoned off as profit. That's the exactly. business model. They can't exist without profit. Right. And so it's not efficiency, really. It's because you're losing that money to profit. And same in healthcare. Yeah, uh, and, and all, of those, all of those systems need every dollar they can get. Uh, you know, as we're seeing with the, the, the teachers and the, the quality of the books and just they're, they're vastly underpaid for the service that they provide. Um, for to, to society, so the idea that any could be siphoned off whatsoever uh, mm-hmm. is absurd. Like on its face, it's a, that they don't have they, they don't have nearly enough. <laughs> They're already operating mm-hmm. on skeleton budgets, and I have no interest in giving that money to anybody else. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and then again, so going back to the discussion of work ethic too, when when that gets into all of this, where it's like, but if you really were a hard worker, then you would make this. Sacrifice. You would make this sacrifice, or like if you really cared about this job, mm-hmm. then you would right. put some of your own money into it, or you would, mm-hmm. or if you really and, needed. And teachers already are. Exactly. Right, they yeah. already are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like teachers, you know, you're complaining, or any workers, you're complaining about not having enough money. Well, if you worked hard enough, you would go and get another job. And mm-hmm. that's it's right. yeah. ludicrous. Exactly. Yeah. And you talked about public support as being maybe a sign that people are understanding the value of these things. But I think it's worth noting that all three of these states are states that have sort of rich labor histories. Kentucky is a coal state. West Virginia is a coal state. And coal mining unions were among the strongest in the country and the most Mm -hmm. radical in the country. And I think there's some of that solidarity that hasn't been stamped out yet by years of Republican rule. Mm -hmm. And people like in Oklahoma, uh, the Teamsters have refused to cross the picket line at the Capitol to make deliveries because okay. the teachers are on strike there. They mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. protesting, you know, the state capital that has uh, slashed school budgets in order to lower taxes on fossil fuel industry to attract oil business there. And so you're yeah. seeing ways in which the various struggles are interconnected, like yeah. this push for carbon-based industry that will warm the planet is directly at odds with yeah. the need of, for teachers to yeah. have supplies and yeah. be well-paid. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, how how backwards is that? Mm-hmm. Like, in this specific example, you have, to the detriment of something that almost everyone can agree has extreme social value, and and the reason that it's suffering is because they're they're propping up an industry that, again, most people would agree is destructive. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you know, like that's, and if that just isn't evidence of things being just so backwards, I don't know, I don't know what is. I mean, that's just, you know, uh, or, or, you know, highlighting how people prioritize profit over social value. Like that's, that's a perfect example. Like Mm -hmm. you couldn't write a fictional example that's better than than that. You know? Right. And I also think it's like, you know, the lamenting of the loss of manufacturing jobs. And like we think about work and labor and jobs in very different ways, depending on what they are. And so the sort of the classic image of a worker is the like ma- manufacturing or mining a, jobs. And yeah. 
uh, assembly line. Uh, or on an yeah, assembly right, sure, line, yeah. 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 Um, right. But, you know, the whole, like the, all of the coal stuff is so tied up to, with those jobs as mm-hmm. well. And yeah. it's those that are like many, in many cases, like white right. males. The, who the, are, f- the fossil fuel industry, like it's selling point to these states is we can bring jobs. It gets right. back to what we were talking about earlier. And right. not all those jobs are useful. They right. are, yeah. I mean, they help provide energy, but at what cost to environment and yeah. at what cost to even the workers' health. Uh, I had sent you an email in preparation for this show about yeah. um, in Kentucky, the lawmakers have um, they've put out a bill that restricts workers' ability to get assessments for their black lung to doctors, most of whom are paid by the coal industry, which has a vested interest in not diagnosing black lung because then they have to pay for it right. via you know workers comp they are then held responsible and so like this effort to bring back jobs is in many ways bringing back jobs that are anti-worker they are mm-hmm. at the expense exactly. of workers health and to say nothing of the environment exactly right? yeah. exactly um, yeah well uh, you know that makes me think of uh i mean that's that's the choice that that we have and that's the that it goes and again, it feeds into the, the the theme of common sense, right? That a lot for a lot of people, like the, the, they want to, they're trying to go back to the the quote unquote good old days. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Bring back the manufacturing jobs, bring back you know, mm-hmm. and and one, it's not going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, those jobs are only just, so low that you can cut. Ex- right, ex- exactly. Um, but two, it goes back to like the job creator thing and and political candidates and things like that that are that are still talking about jobs and they're still talking like we really need people in positions of influence to start talking about what if what if we stop focusing on jobs like what if we start focusing on eliminating work Mm -hmm. um and start taking advantage of this technology that we we change the discussion from say the quantity of jobs available to the quality of jobs available at the very least yeah or you know or even just the social benefits of Mm -hmm. which really and what we're talking about there is is reprioritizing and democratizing where capital flows right because basically what what you're saying is like we have all this technology we've come such a long way, you know, mm-hmm. like if you, if you, depending on your viewpoint, you know, or you could look at our first piece of technology as, as harnessing fire, mm-hmm. right? Like we harnessed fire, we started cooking food, it led mm-hmm. to greater protein increase, blah, 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 blah. So if we start with fire and now we've got satellites and these um, uh, insane things, but the technological benefit hasn't been, it's not democratic, right? It's right. not spread out to, uh, to, to everyone, you know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's the difference, and that's the shift that I would like to see is in the conversation, and that for the phrase I recently learned of the the Overton window, which yeah. is the the the, the range of acceptable things that are viewed as realistic, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and I don't see it as that much of a push for people to say to just like look around and say there's enough food, there's enough, you know, uh, to 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 say okay, it's really just a it's really just a re like imagining of how we distribute these these things, uh, and it wouldn't. I mean, it's. I always say this like it doesn't seem like much, but it's also the biggest thing in the world to like undertake. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that Overton window has been deliberately shifted to the right. I think mm-hmm. you could say over the last forty years, it For has sure. been used. It has. We've seen an undermining of what we might call the public sphere of public goods and public benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay for teachers being one of them, and perhaps the most important of them. 
in order to facilitate sort of these, I mean, these new companies that pop up and they, you know, whether it's fossil fuel industry, which aren't new, but, or like the tech industry or, you know, I mean, Facebook and Google, all these people, Industries that want to work new people to death, basically. Right. I think we need to take back some of that power from, I mean, the industries that now hold them and put it to better use. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, and again, and then again, just all of this technology, technological development is meaning it, it could mean that we could just our lives could be a little bit more relaxed and we could just work a little mm-hmm. bit less. But yeah. culturally, that's just we're not going to accept that as long as we feel like we need to work to, in order to mm-hmm. have social yeah. value. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of that, and I know that we've talked about this and a bunch of different times off, off air, uh, is, is people, there, there's a feeling of that idleness is equivalent to laziness, exactly. right? Or that there's no, va- not, maybe not that there's no value in idleness, but that there's more that the, the stick of capitalism the, the driving force of innovation um, is c- coercion, basically. Mm-hmm. That you're, you have to do these things. And if you want to make your job better, then figure out a better way to do it, right? Which is advancing technology. But then who benefits from that advancement? You know, it's, it's right. very, it's, 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 you know. But the idea, one of the other major shifts, I think, that we need to try and help people come to grips with is that there is extreme value in being idle. Exactly. And having free time to to think, yeah. you know what I mean, to process thought, and because the the the, the issues that we have are complex, exactly. like to put it to put it very you know simplistic. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> the, the things that we're trying to these 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 things that we're trying to overcome are complex in a way that like a single person can't keep in their mind, right? right? So, and the idea that we could come up with solutions while working ourselves to I death. Know. Uh, is 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 insane, and and one of my favorite. Uh, this is a total paraphrase, but one of my favorite, like references to to the importance of of idleness is um is Higgs, the uh, the professor who, you know, theorized the Higgs boson, and when they asked him what led to the discovery, he basically said peace and quiet. Uh, you know, so the fact is, is we we don't know what a new level of freedom will bring us in innovation you know like like when when we truly have a population that's free to think and spend their time working and not laboring Mm -hmm. um where we can go from there right you know like and that's uh, i want to find out (laughs) like desperately like i really desperately want to find out it's like if our minds could always be on shower mode right Right. exactly you like always get the best ideas yeah that's that's exactly because you're 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 just that's it. You're in that <laughs> moment and you're free. For, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, uh, I've had a lot of anxiety showers too, to be fair, but, yeah. uh, but there's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. There's um, an essay that I remember from a y- years ago that I brought up here. Um, it's called Alive in the Sunshine. It was written in uh, Jacobin Magazine, I think 2014. The broader point of the essay is it's about this sort of conflict between the environmental movement and this push for jobs, be mm-hmm. they pipeline jobs or coal jobs or the, and how like labor movements were pushing for these sort of dirty jobs, I yeah. think is the term you had used earlier, where you were, the work itself was, I mean, it was providing a wage to some workers, but at the expense of 
the environment. And right. these sort of left-wing goals were kind of in opposition to one, one another. And right. it concludes like this. This is going to be a lengthy excerpt, so bear with me. She's talking about this essay by Virginia Woolf, uh, which is called A Room of One's Own. And in that essay, and in the essay I'm quoting from now, in it, she reflects on the instinct for possession, the rage for acquisition, which keeps the stockbroker and the great barrister going indoors to make money and more money and more money when it is a fact that 500 pounds a year will keep one alive in the sunshine. With that 500 pounds, she wrote, came the freedom to think and write as she pleased. We should add a few more things to the list, universal health care, a bus pass, but figuring out what it takes to keep all 7 billion-plus people on the planet alive in the sunshine will be the fundamental task of the 21st century. The post-work future is often characterized as a vision of a post-scarcity society, but the dream of freedom from wage labor and self-realization beyond work suddenly looks less like utopia than necessity. Finding ways to live luxuriously but also lightly, adequately but not aesthetically, won't always be easy. But perhaps in the post-post-scarcity society, somewhere between fears of generalized scarcity and dreams of generalized decadence, we can have the things we never managed to have in the time of supposed abundance. Enough for everyone and time for what we will. Wow. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's the essay that really sort of opened my mind to this idea of universal basic income, this idea that we need to provide people the resources they need to survive without relying on labor because that quest for jobs is going to mean a quest for menial work and dirty jobs, as you will. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like the most important part of that excerpt uh, was that she she refers to it as a necessity. Mm -hmm. Like it's getting past what we're doing and that ties into what you're talking about <clears throat> with the conflicting interests of the environmental movement and some people's persistence on the idea that we need jobs. Um, mm-hmm. Those things can't coexist. Right, exactly. And so this this can't – we can't let this go on basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and yeah, her use of the term necessity I think is spot on. Yeah. This is, we don't have a choice here. We need to, yeah, <laughs> we need to move beyond what we're doing and as quickly as possible. Exactly. Just a footnote about that. Have you, either of you seen the documentary Blood on the Mountain? Mm-mm. No. Okay. It puts it out really well. This, um, it's sort of about miners mm-hmm. and all of the horrible sort of conditions they go through and then the economic injustice. But at the same time, there are a few parts of it where we see a real conflict between them and then the environmental movement right. um, because it's that's also threatening their existence mm-hmm. because, the, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I guess sort of to conclude the show, it's this idea that we don't necessarily need mining jobs. We need, I mean, something to fill our time with. We need, exactly. I mean, think we can be productive without being sort of busy work and just, and doing bad things for money, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I remember something I heard once in terms of when people say, what What would we do like without mm-hmm. a job? And I just want to remind people of when they were seven years old and they were playing in the dirt. Yeah. Like, you'll find something to do. Like, exactly. So one mm-hmm. day you're going to be able to quit your job and you're going to feel great about it. Exactly. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. it's, and, and your life is going to change forever. It's gonna be hopefully amazing. it's before you're 85. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 And, right. and yeah. The, the sort of existential crises or identity crises that we have when we're not in work are not because of, I don't, I think they're not because of our own personal characteristics 
as humans, but because mm-hmm. of the system that we live in. And yeah, absolutely. the sort of uh, prominence it has placed on work in our identity. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a really great discussion, but we are running out of time now. So for this week, I'm Ryan. I'm Abby. And I'm Earl. This was Punching Out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.